perverts. It has been a minute uh, between schedules and allergy season. Hell yeah. But we're back. We're back. Um, our eyes work again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we're living. How have you been, Dag? I've been doing all right. Um, been, yeah? Yeah, I've been pretty, I don't know, busy is not the right word, but been involved in things <laughs> been doing things been helping a lot of folks this week um with their various projects so it's been good it's been good it's Great. finally warm yep here it's yep. it's yard weather. yeah yeah we uh my uh my wife also uh is jobless and uh, she's been in the yard quite a bit mm-hmm. and now has a pretty wicked case of poison ivy because uh, mm. uh, every yard here has kind of in, what do you call it, a um, little bit of overgrowth, I guess, yeah. uh, in the back usually where it's just like straight oak forest for like, you know, I don't know, a 50 square foot area. <laughs> and she was like dumping stuff back there. And yeah, you can't. Of course, there's poison ivy back there, so rubbed it all over her face and oh no oh god yeah she's in she's in a bad spot but i i at least only had the allergic conjunctivitis which is just allergy induced pink eye basically double so yeah double yeah so that was that was a great time uh it is an unfortunate side effect of the miata which is which is back but it did uh does continue to uh be a real monkey's paw mm-hmm. from time to time. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta change your cabin filter. Well, the cabin filter <laughs> is the atmosphere. Uh, actually, the Miata doesn't even have a cabin filter. That makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. Like I went to change it one time, and there's just not, not even one in there. So, <laughs> um, very pretty wild. I mean, I guess you know the whole thing is so fucking tiny. You know, I, I can't really imagine. Why? I mean, I guess it has an AC and shit, so I guess it's kind of gross. But yeah, I mean, they just, I guess they assume that you're just gonna air the car out every, yeah, you know, every week basically. So they also probably assume that you're, you know, like a decaying old man, and that the weirdest smell in your car is you. That's well, I have leather seats, thankfully, so they don't absorb <laughs> the fart. That's good. So yeah, yeah. Well, what's been um, going on? What have you been What have you been doing when you're not dying? Uh, I went to Pride at the Dragon uh, in Tennessee. It's a famous road, uh, for those who don't know, uh, in, in the mountains. Uh, that people travel from all over the country. And even at this, all people came from all over the world. Uh, there was a guy from, uh, I believe, Sweden. Really? Who just, like, saw it on the Internet, yeah, and just bought a ticket and came and rented a car and showed up didn't know anybody had a great time he's a very nice guy um but yeah that was awesome it's always great to be around those car enthusiasts uh you know they you know it's just a better atmosphere in a lot of ways uh to your normal car event not not saying you know my straight car friends are unbearable obviously because they would be my friends if they were but uh it's just yeah it's just so much better of a vibe uh like i just have you know there's there's dragon fest for every fucking 
thing you can imagine. You know, there's a huge Miata one. There's a big Honda one. When we were out there, it was rotary rally. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of RX-8s, RX-7s. I saw a couple RX-3s, a Cosmo. And, yeah, it's, like, cool to see that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, some of those people just, like, can't turn it off with the car shit. They use, make a lot of my car identifies as jokes. They, you know, it just kind of are enunciated with the masculinity yeah. of driving fast cars, and it's just boring. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ultimate. I, I mean, I, are, yeah, I posted it this week. More, more car guys should try being normal. You know, yeah, it's I like, mean, whoa, it's I, I'm like, weird. I want to keep like being weird is fine, but like being normal is a different thing. You should be able to like have a conversation with people. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, um, I always joke with those, with those folks that like Sarah will never go to regular car things and she'll go to all those. She mm-hmm. likes all the people because, well, yes, we do sit and talk about the nuances of year-to-year car releases and many of the people there are some of the most educated car people i've ever met in my life uh they are also willing to talk about another subject every once in a while uh (laughs) so you know to sarah who enjoys driving the miata around and enjoys the track when we go to the track and, and things like that but she doesn't give a shit about you know if this has a fucking TH400 or a Hydromatic, you know, like she doesn't give a shit about that. So, you know, and, and, and when people do that, it kind of eventually just comes across as like a pissing contest. Uh, sometimes, like, I mean, a lot of people who do it are just kind of, uh, you know, uh, hyper fixated, I guess. Uh, and they, they can't even stop thinking about it which i guess you know whatever live your life but um it it is like a lot to go to some of these car events and it's just like they won't stop and it just like feels like you're trapped in like an internet forum post Mm. you know it's just like no social skills um you can't the um all of the the forum reacts don't play well in in person the the um coy winky face uncle uh of the the vw vortex forum doesn't play well in in real life it's actually really creepy yeah it's just like incessant sometimes and you know a lot of my friends that i've made through cars are generally because we were at something and ended up talking about something else Mm -hmm. you know so um so yeah but that was it was a blast i had the the gr out there just absolutely torched everybody with it uh in the group i was with uh it was a beast um it was a lot of fun we rented a boat uh went out mm-hmm. and we tubed a little bit um it was a blast yeah it was, it was a great great time to get out there um but yeah um other than that yeah not not a whole lot on the uh the hobby front uh kind of uh, I mean, I guess I've been bowling a lot, um, and uh, and and so I yeah I won a tournament with Sarah, with my wife, and some other people that I know. So I got a little bit of spending cash, and I think I'm gonna 
turn it into either pulling the CRX motor and rebuilding it or doing a couple tweaks to the Miata. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely, I, after having it on the Dragon, I'm like, I need to get better tires on this thing. Probably needs new brake pads soon, uh, which I have a set, uh, I have a rear set <clears throat> from our good friend Pat, so mm-hmm. I just need to match them. And match them with a set of fronts and then get them on there. So, yeah, so I got a couple things. I cut out the floor of the CRX and that's getting ready to go. And so I got some stuff planned. Uh, you know, I got the garden, the garden stuff is blooming. So I did, you know, some fertilizing and trimming up and I re- repotted a couple <clears throat> trees. And so, you know, it's a, a kind of exciting time when the weather is getting nicer, but still not like unbearably hot and the mosquitoes aren't biting me constantly while I'm out there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is that like the here, the winters have been so mild that just like you don't get any mosquito relief because they just like that many more eggs <laughs> survive the winter or whatever. But we do yeah. have, um, Claire is already finding eastern black swallowtail eggs on the parsley and the dill, so we are already set up to start raising our uh, eastern black swallowtail caterpillars into butterflies, so that's upon us again. We had, like, I want to say she released, like, almost 70 butterflies last year. Oh, wow. We were releasing, like, three or four a day at some points. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. Um, so you're welcome to everybody else who's trying to grow parsley and dill and having it eaten by parsley worms. Fuck you. <laughs> Who cares? You're, you're not going to, you're not going to make pickles. Shut the fuck up. We already know. Everybody knows your, your big garden you posted on Instagram is never going to actually turn out to be herbs in your food. You're full of shit. Just let the butterflies eat it. Just let them do oh, it. Oh, the man. butterflies eat, eat the eat the herbs yeah so basically what they um we initially when we first started doing like raising the swallowtails we were using dill um but Mm -hmm. dill obviously is not like you know there's not it's not substantial right um and they Mm. they would plow through it super quick so we realized Mm. that giving them the parsley is more sustenance but you put like two or three clumps of parsley into the tank and you've got like 40 or so caterpillars in there by the next morning it's just stalks like they eat every single oh, wow. leaf like they are they are voracious um and it's you awesome gotta put like you gotta put like two apples and then uh three oranges and then <laughs> so let me luckily last year parsley just took over the raised bed so it was like we had plenty of food stock but like, yeah. you can you can find posts where people on forums like I started feeding these caterpillars and then like now every day I'm going to the grocery store and buying like $10 worth of herbs. <laughs> it's just like just people just driving themselves to insanity trying to raise them. But hopefully this year we'll get awesome. some um, we'll get some monarchs. We've got a bunch of milkweed going. So I got one monarch caterpillar last year and then he ran off on me. I don't know where he went. So hopefully this year we'll get some. Uh, some monarchs going that would be great i feel better about that the swallowtails live like two weeks or something um oh really yeah but the but like the monarchs will actually like fly to mexico and texas and shit and, yeah like, i know it's insane so, to me that they like my they're migratory yeah so like I'd a like migratory to bug. yeah it's sick yeah. yeah um so so that's exciting but this week um i uh i have had a couple projects been doing some tie-dye uh, I need to get 
um, moved off of the stuff I'm working on now. Um, I'm going to finally send two dozen dies to uh, a headshot back home across the across from cam- the Bradley University campus. Um, so I'm going to send them two dozen dies. So that'll be fun to sell some dies back home. Um, got some work I need to finish. I did some batik, but just like you have to boil the wax off of it after you use the beeswax to cover up the paint. And uh, I just am using beeswax for the first time instead of a different blend of wax. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been a fucking mess. The shirts are just covered in wax. But so that's a nightmare. Right. I photographed Brooks and Andrea's uh, engagement proposal uh, this week. So <laughs> on on Thursday, I went and set up a hidden GoPro and took, I think, three or four cameras out there and got some got some engagement photos so that was my first foray into you know being a wedding photographer so got into yeah. that been shooting a lot of uh film photography over the past little while i got like eight roles developed the other day dropped two off from the from brooks and andrea's engagement and then i shot three rolls of film last night at wrestling so got a bunch of film going mm. so been doing a bunch of shooting um Still got to finish painting up all my minifigures, um, but that's just, I haven't been doing that because I just feel like if I have the time, I need to be doing tie-dye. So got that, and then I've got to edit these these pictures from the shoot this week. Um, and yeah, maybe hoping to get back into, uh, I need to make some kombucha this summer, um, get that back going again, get the kombucha grind going. Um Mm-hmm. that's always a nice treat to be able to do that i made a really good like uh jalapeno and lime kombucha a couple years ago so i might try to run that back see if i can recreate that get a nice summer slammer maybe get, yeah, I'm get, get some bread going kombucha but i like Sarah it a lot. Likes to make yeah it. i mean it's really nice when you make when you make your own um just just to fuck around with too sour it's too sour well, for you me. Can, you like, can and too lactic. It, you can you know? pump it full of sugars and shit and, and do whatever you want. Yeah. But I mean, I like shrubs, which is the weird thing, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's I'll even more vinegary. Drink a shrub. I know. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm just an, I've been, I'm an idiot. Apparently. I've been drinking a lot of. Um, I've We've got, you know, the, the soda stream. I know BDS and all that. Um, but we've got a soda stream. And um, I've just been making tonic and bitters. And just drinking yeah, tonic I drink and bitters, like an, yeah. like an, yeah, just like an old Italian man. So that's been going really well for me because I, I don't know, man. Beers, beer gets my fucking sinuses going, and I just it's sad. I can't, I can't handle it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, yeah, be, is, I'm gonna have to be put is. down. Yeah, no, I'm still fine with the beer, thankfully. Um, some of it does, I guess. And when I would, uh when i would brew beer back way back in the day if i used like real fresh hops it would always set my sinuses off huh. like that yeah so which just sucks because it's like i think those are the tastiest ones but yeah. it's just like i can only make it through like one before damn i was you know that was sniffling oh i forgot but, i um i went over to i went over to kevin's to help him with the with the moped oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the um, yeah, the the plug was fouled the fucking hell, which I'm not surprised by. It's a two stroke. Um, so we got him. We got <laughs> yeah. so we got him a new spark plug, and uh, 
got it to turn over. The tires were flat, so it was like we were taking turns riding it up and down the alley to try to get it to kick over, and like on a flat tire, we were just fucking winded. Uh, real, <laughs> real pathetic shit, but I got it to turn over yeah. and I rode it up and down the alley, so we know it'll fire and run. It's got compression. It's got a new spark spark plug so i think it's just been sitting long enough that it's it's gummed up so um i'm gonna replace the fuel filter and then we're gonna pull the carburetor and clean the carb for him um he did not i i went to wrestling he was at the wrestling show last night and sat with me he uh he yeah. has not been reading the carburetor specs i sent him i sent been sending him the diagrams um he's not sent the fucking repair manual i like sent him the repair manual ago. he's not reading it he can't read it um, he's a fucking. He went to fucking law school and he can't read well, this. This is he's, he's light ex- reading. He's explained. He explained to my friend David and he explained to his to his wife Callie what what I had done and what we were doing. So he's at least he's at least experiencing it in the right ways. But yeah, when, he's still, uh, he's still he a little bit nephew mode. When he was posting about it, uh, I watched a few videos of a guy like taking apart the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Looked, I saw the uh, same ones. Incredibly easy and and honestly uh, looked very enjoyable. Like I've never, I don't like motorcycles. Uh, they they, I don't, I they're unsafe and and I, I they scare me. Yeah, I know you love safety. Um, yeah, um, I mean, you know, I just I I know like three people who died on them, yeah. and it's like yeah. So I've never really been interested in them, uh, but. Uh, they do like I have a friend who has like a scooter or whatever, and I I've looked I've watched you know worked with them and on it and it's like it is kind of nice because it's like everything is just great yeah. in front of you and you yeah can I was kinda, honestly you know, need lifts and I was honestly hoping that I was hoping it didn't have compression <laughs> because yeah. I was excited to take the to take the head off and and replace the piston ring and. Uh, yeah, and give our and well, give our nephew a real experience. It's probably for the best because then maybe the the cylinder was warped, which would have been a bad, <laughs> a bad thing. <laughs> been like, all right, Kevin, time to find out what the fucking machine shop is. All right, Kevin, let's uh, let's, let's hone your let's start honing your cylinder. Yeah, get, go get um, some go get some aluminum foil and I'll wrap it around a drill bit and we'll just keep going. But his his uh yeah, his but, neighbor did have a, a Mark Six Golf R, which surprised me. Oh, so we got in the garage and there was a Golf R in there. Is that the R thirty two? No, the famous one. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about these things, so. Uh, but that's cool. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That sounds like fun. It's always it's always nice to be able to use your hobby to assist somebody yeah it's cool to know like to have read like one chapter more of a book than somebody and they're like god how do you how do you know this (laughs) yeah especially with like car stuff because like i mean i was talking about with a friend of mine from the out motorsports pride dragon stuff he just started uh his own or he's kind of working as a contractor for a friend of his as he's like opening his own shop and uh, we've talked about a couple times about like uh, just how it's nice. <clears throat> like there's been a couple things like when I changed uh, an alternator, uh, which is very easy if you you know mm-hmm. if you have even a mild understanding of 
car. It'd be, that would be something that I could like, I, if, on most cars, uh, I could probably confidently tell you just, you, you can literally just watch a YouTube video. And if you have open-ended yeah. branches, you can do it yourself. Um, but you know, when I was growing up, I remember the alternator dying on our car and it was like a big fucking deal because we didn't know how to do that stuff. And you, you know, it, my right. parents needed their car to go to work and probably like 400, 500 bucks to get that fixed. Yeah. And that be, was a lot of a money. Setback. Yeah. And that was a lot of money to, to my parents. And, uh, you know, it is always nice to be able to be like, you know, someone's like, Oh, I'm having this problem. And it's something simple enough like that, that you can be like, Oh, you know what? Like, uh, let's just, we're just I mean, going to go to AutoZone. I think a fair amount of people don't <clears throat> realize that like there, it is sort of a class thing that like when your car goes wrong, you just take it to the shop is like a little, it's like a, it's a little bit of a class thing. Whereas like, you know what I mean? If, if you've never been to like the auto zone, that's like out, like out off like Cicero or like something like that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like you, it, people aren't just take, you know, white folks just take their car in and pay out the ass and other people might try to fix it or do other, you know, actually do some work on it. Cause it's just, it's fucking, yeah. it can be exorbitant, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. I totally feel people like, uh, you know, I've had friends on Twitter that are like, Oh, they're saying like such and such thing is wrong with my car. And it's like, man, if you weren't 800 miles away, I would do that for you in an hour, you know, like, and it sucks because, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, oh, shit, like, that's like 700 bucks I don't fucking have. And it's like, it does suck knowing, like, I could be like, oh, well, the part is $200, like, and I could install that if on you, Yeah, if even and, that. I mean, a lot of stuff. Yeah, sometimes, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you look up, so like, how, it, like, what's a brake rotor cost? And, like, from the actual store, like, an actual brake rotor itself, raw unit costs not very much. But you yeah. go to the... You go to the you know, depending on what you're doing, but most cars people are driving, you know, I mean, you go to Midas yeah. and it's almost a thousand dollars and it's just like, it's like, yeah, you know, the, the parts, the, the raw job, parts yeah. themselves, I mean, are maybe a quarter of that. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, doing, doing your brakes as fast as some of those guys do the brakes. I mean, you know, like they're obviously professionals and they, you know, they deserve to be compensated as such, but yeah, it does suck. Yeah. And, and, I know, don't want that much job. PD blaster in my in my fucking blood. I don't want it to leach through yeah. my skin. <laughs> I was going to say, a brake a job would start entering the realm of, like, I'd ha you have to be a good friend. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, you know, like I said, I got to do the brakes on my Miata, and it's like, I know, I know how to do them, and I've done them before, and it's not, like, the worst thing in the world, but it is, like, a pretty solid all afternoon of sitting in my driveway. I was, you know, what I want is it. I want the fucking I want the fucking <clears throat> sports car endurance racing um like prototype hubs where like the hub like it's just like you just pull the whole fucking thing off. Like when they do brake yeah. jobs and that shit, they just like Lama, they just like pull the whole fucking thing off. It's so sick. Those are like crazy yes. ceramic rotors and shit too. I do wish, yes, that my life in general had like a multi-million dollar budget. Yes, I yeah, did. hell yeah, and, and the team of engineers behind my life. Did you yes. ever watch the the documentary about the um, the guy who was was he running GTO? It wasn't GTO. He was running some sort of some sort of class, but he was. They were like bringing weed in from like South America. Oh yeah, I did see that so that they Netflix. could so that yeah. they could fund his like sports car team. 
Yeah, and he drove like the Indy 500 right yeah. before he like got arrested. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I think about that all the time when I'm like thinking about like how I'd like to get more into motorsport mm-hmm. and like thinking about how to finance it. It's like, well, uh, that guy did dentistry. It by, uh, yeah. Dentistry, yeah, yeah. law school, uh, dentistry, law school, selling drugs, NFTs, uh, yeah. years ago, um, or uh, being a startup CEO. I mean, I was gonna say you'd be surprised, like when you meet people out there, like some people, you know, I I haven't gotten, you know, I haven't haven't really been hanging out with like the highest levels of motorsport, but. It is funny, like, when you meet guys who do it fairly regularly, like, at least once a month, and a lot of them are kind of cagey about where they're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, I mean, and, you know, I think that's a big, like, I think it was Ken Block was, like, talking about, like, how it's, like, so natural and progression that all those, like, skateboard guys and, like, just X-Games guys in general, like, kind of all start getting into, like, motorsport mm-hmm. as they got older because they're, like, they probably had, like, a financially lucrative, uh, you know, uh, investment or whatever because they were kind of at the forefront of this, like, extreme sports sure. movement. And, you know, they started, Ken Block's case started a clothing company. And the official uh, shoes of wearing your pajamas to the convenience store. Yes. Um, and yeah, it is. They, he said it's like just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of makes sense that all of us kind of start doing that like in our mid 30s. And because it's like, yeah, you can't skateboard anymore. Right. <laughs> you're like, and you're kind of like, well, I want something. You know, I got a little bit of money and, you know, I got the time. And so it is like a lot of those guys too. Like, I mean, pretty much the entire American rally scene is like just dude. Yeah. Dudes like that. Like it's like Travis Pastrana and it was Ken block. Yeah. You know, recently and like, yeah, it's just like, and they're good drivers, but like Ken block yet, like he, when he raced world rally, he was not competitive. So, you know, it is kind of just funny that, I mean, it is the unfortunate reality of being in the cars. It's like someone with a bunch of money is going to get further than, someone without a bunch of money probably yeah. like 99 times out of a hundred. Yeah. I mean know? the, oh. the, um, the majority of like, uh, American racers who race from like being a kid, it's like, it's not even like karting. It's just like you, you end up at the short track <laughs> for like your well, entire I life. Even... You're, you're like, you're running like, uh, Nissan Sentra's and endurance races at the short track. And then like, maybe you make it to like modifies or something. It's nuts. I looked into karting cause I was like, Oh, like that's probably like a budget friendly way to get it, get into like wheel to wheel racing. And cause you know, that's obviously I, you know, I like doing rally and stuff and that kind of thing, but like, it would be very fun to like be racing on mm. a track with other people. Right. And but I looked into karting, dude, and it's, like, more expensive than if I just, like, did Spec Miata. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's great, which, for those who don't know, Spec Miata is basically racing, like, uh, Miatas that are, like, exactly how they came out of a factory. It's, like, a very specific set of rules about, yeah, about, like, what you can use and stuff. And so it's called Spec, so all the cars are the same. So, in theory, it, like, promotes 
the best rate like the best racer wins because in theory everybody's car is exactly the same um but yeah it i was like shocked at how much it is to race a fucking Mm go-kart um which is a bummer like you know but yeah that's just kind of how it how it goes yeah even i mean even if you want to get into like say you wanted to get into like you know late stocks or something and do like do like some short track oval racing like even the the like body kits themselves are fucking expensive and you're gonna shred yeah. it you're gonna shred it i know that's the other thing is yeah is if you're in in that yeah i mean like our so you jake from, you have to have a friend OMS. who's like a contractor who has like a, a concrete company to to sponsor you yeah yeah or you have to be like so good that like someone takes a liking to you, which is sort of the Lewis Hamilton story. Like he embellishes much of it. Like his dad was like a VP at, a, at of like selling software or something. Like it wasn't. They like to act like you know he was the fucking artful Dodger or fucking Oliver Twist. But um, I mean, compared to other F1 drivers, yes, he grew up in relative poverty to them. <laughs> Um, which doesn't necessarily say a lot, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like your two options is, is like be rich and then nobody can tell you to stop driving or you have to be really good and kind of assuage someone who is very rich to say you don't have to stop driving. And it's just, you know, it sucks. It is what it is. And it sucks that there's they, like even just driving a fucking go kart around isn't even a viable option to get yeah. into it. So yeah, well, um, I mean, I think I still think we should get as many uh, Predator motors from Harbor Freight as we can and make a fleet yeah. of car- and make a fleet of carts that explode and uh, you know see where see where we get. Yeah, we could really test my welds. The uh, um, I mean, the unlike Black Friday, the the Predator motor was like one like one hundred and ten dollars. For a 212 cc motor, yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good deal if you're of the of the uncle's aptitude. Yeah, you're, you're I well saw on some your guy, way. Like I was kind of like looking at it, and he like raced these like dirt track ovals with one, mm-hmm. but they were so small, dude. I couldn't imagine doing it. Like it looked like I've, it'd just make you fucking dizzy as yeah, shit. So I've uh, there's I watched <laughs> like, I was watching just, some like, indoor spinning. Yeah, they do a lot of indoor stuff like that with you know with cart. Uh, cart well, then track, I feel like indoor. if it's indoor, indoor you're um, even dizzier because well, it's fucking two-stroke yeah. motors. It's just it's well, no, <laughs> they, they run the Predator too. They run the four-stroke Predator. That's a four-stroke. Damn. Yeah, two twelve, which is which is obviously not. Well, I guess two strokes are technically illegal to sell in any application at this point. Right? Know, Aren't I, they? I, I thought I they were because they're know. so fuel inefficient. The last you're not even allowed to put a carburetor on anything anymore. I the think. last time I thought about. Um, Last time I thought about anything like that was um, in the first Obama term that with the lead ban for children, they like they had overreached it to the point where like 50 cc dirt bikes, right? Like a Honda XR50, mm-hmm. CRF50, whatever you will, was something that you you had to say like was for like a 12 year old child or bigger. Like and if you know anything about how big a 50 cc dirt bike is, like a 12 year old is like six years too big for that <laughs> so like you, you they would have secret shoppers come in and you would have to like point people you'd be like oh we don't have anything we can sell you for a seven-year-old 
even though they, mm-hmm. those machines have been engineered to be for children and power and size and handling for years. But the concern mm-hmm. is that, like, the valves, <laughs> the fucking valves are lead. And it's just like, look, oh. if, if, if my kid takes his 50cc four stroke apart and starts sucking on the valves, then like he's a genius and he needs, <laughs> he needs to be anchored and weighed down because he's a fucking genius. Yeah. He's a genius. Let yeah. him suck on some lead, you know? <laughs> so that was, that was, I always just thought that was fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get too off the rails into turning this into a car podcast yet again, uh, we, uh, we always have our, our uh, heavy discussion, heavy discussion. Uh, and uh, I guess what I was thinking. It's a uh, meditation. Today, it's not heavy. It's a meditation. meditation. Yeah. Yes, it's the opposite. It's, a, it's enlightened. Yes. Today. Well, tomorrow, actually, when, I, you know, when we're recording this, so probably by the time you hear it, it will be closed. But the bowling alley that I bowl at and have uh, made many friends and uh, really learned how to bowl uh, through. Uh, it has. It was sold a few months ago, after a long and protracted uh, period of you know selling it. Um, closing tomorrow. Uh, I just was at the party where everybody kind of you know paid their respects. I guess um, looked at. There were a lot of old photo albums. I mean, this place is fucking old. Uh, I know a guy from my league and he had a photo album, a bunch of pictures of his brother who just passed away, uh, you know, of them same lane in the league in like 1973, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and it, I guess the thing that I want to, I guess, think about is, uh, is just kind of how a lot of these things, that we have to do, you know, or, you know, have to, the places we have to engage with or the things we have to engage with uh, to do these things that we like uh, and bring us community and bring us uh, personal fulfillment. Uh, the, the means of providing that are always at the whims of someone who generally does not care about that part. Um, and it sucks even more because so this is an independently owned place. Uh, and like I said, it's very old. Uh, and, uh, but it was filled with leagues every single night, six nights a week. Mm-hmm. It had, it had at least one league going probably at any given night, at least 30 of the 40, as much utilization going. as you could expect. Yes. And because, uh, when I was looking into it, as it was selling, uh, the, business model for bowling alley at this point is more family fun center where they want high turnover. They want uh, people come in bowl two, three games, buy food and drinks and leave, and then get as many of those people as you can. Uh, So league based like, like bowling alleys with a lot of leagues are very rare. Uh, But despite that, not really being the business model anymore, that does mean you have pretty much guaranteed income constantly. Uh, from the league people. And uh, and so this bowling alley was making money, actually. Uh, my friend is the manager, and uh, he knew that it was making money. And the lady sold it because she's in her mid-60s and, from my understanding, inherited the place. I've never seen her bowl. 
Uh, I rarely see her around. And it needed to have the lanes replaced because they are actual real wood, which is very rare as well these days. Um, And as you use a natural wood lane, it warps it, obviously, because you're chucking a ball and throwing a ball across it. Um, So they get grooves and shit, and you got to plane off uh, back to flat every once in a while. And they have done that so many times because it's so old that now the board just had to get totally replaced. Um, and, you know, she could have done that, and it probably would have put her in the red a year or two and then going right back to just being free money. And uh, people begged her to try and figure out a way to sell it to somebody who did want it to be a bowling alley because that's the thing is it's not going to be a bowling alley anymore. It's getting sold. It's, it's uh, getting knocked down and turned into a storage unit. Ours, ours got our, the one that my parents went to as kids, and we used to go to like in high school. Got bought by the the guy that does all of Ted Nugent's compound bows, <laughs> the the Wolf Hollow Archery. The art yes. fucking archery people bought our bowling alley, turned the fucked the lanes ups to make them into a um, a diner so you could eat in there. And then turn the other half into an archery range. And now it's just derelict because that didn't even last a fucking year. Who could imagine? Who could imagine? But they did but they did have duck wings, so we did eat duck wings. I mean, I guess not a good I guess at least at least you could say at least that was somebody buying it with the intention of like bringing people joy, I guess. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I think you could make an archery range in a fucking Morton building. You need a pole barn for an archery range. You don't ruin a bowling alley. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's just, you know, it's just infuriating uh, that, you know, this place and community, uh, uh, you know, it's a lot of people, it, it's it's all sorts of people, lots of, you know, uh, mail it's carriers. It's a gathering there, place. I mean, we've... Nurses, teachers, just normal fucking people. I mean, we've talked about that um, a lot, you know, I mean, people need, people need places that aren't church. Um, yes. And, and also that aren't explicitly a bar. <laughs> and, yeah. and and honestly and honestly it's like we don't you don't need axe throwing you can go bowling <laughs> like axe yeah. throwing is trying to take like the same idea a thing that you only have to do a couple times and you don't even have to be that good at it uh yes but but axe throwing is purely the the that's the fucking concept of a real estate gentrifier it's it's purely that. And and I think that bowling alleys more so like axe throwing is gentrification bowling to me because it's in all these new places. And mm-hmm. Epic bowling bacon. bowling is in all of these places where people just view them as like properties that are lower value than they could be in ten years. And they're prime targets. Yeah. Like it's a prime they're target. They're huge. They're large, they're large buildings. Generally. And they're not too. and they're all exactly. And they're not fun to and they're not that fun to operate. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. So I, I read uh during all this, Defector actually had an article about uh candle pin bowling, which is like a different form and yeah. it's very rare now to even see one of those lanes still. And uh they talked about AMF the bowling conglomerate kind of in the in the late 90s early 2000s kind of made this push and they uh as they went public claiming that there was some sort of untapped entertainment market in bowling alleys and they said the the stock price is going to be 90 dollars a share in 10 years and blah 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 and um 
they bought actually bought a bunch of these candle pin lanes and uh they don't make i guess they don't make the machine anymore like mm-hmm. the resetter and the, the ball return they don't make those machines anymore the, the, the people who made them uh they've long passed into the other into the next dimension and they uh uh, so a lot of the guys who are maintaining these candle pin alleys have to kind of utilize old machines and, and figure out parts and whatnot from them. And AMF wouldn't even sell them the machines. They destroyed them because they viewed it as competition. And, uh, and instead of preserving this kind of like quirky cultural institution full of people, you know, the people operating those places are kind of, you know, doing it because they love the sport and mm-hmm. they love the atmosphere it's and they love their community. Too. Yeah, very regional. It's like, and, a, it's uh, like a New England thing. And uh, because uh, because it didn't serve the almighty dollar and private equity uh, needs to extract as much as it can, private equity said, no, actually, this is not important to us. Uh, you're going to cost us money. So we're going to destroy this thing and possibly send it to extinction, you know? Like that was, I mean, that's their goal is to make ten pin bowl, or candle pin bowling extinct because they, that's costing them money. They they view it. People who go on candle pin bowling would be going to AMF lanes if they didn't have it. And so it, this is kind of the same thing with this lady selling our alley. Is it's just like, oh, because it was more prudent for her to take the cash to just cash out. He just ruined the lives of like 400 people. <laughs> you know, like that was the transaction in her head. And people are very pissed off, obviously. But yeah, they're not. They they keep saying like I've met a lot of people that are like I'm not going to her other alley now because she owns another one. Oh, uh, okay. And they're like they're like we're I'm not going there. Fuck her. Yeah. And it's like yeah. Damn. And it sucks. And now I gotta go. I gotta go to an AMF. AMF sucks. It's it's not it's not for bowlers. It's for people fucking around. Yeah, it's you know? it's the mall. It's fine. It's Go have mall. fun. <laughs> Go have fun. I'm not yeah, I'm not trying to say that you have to be a high level bowler, but it was nice to have a place where it was bowler focused. You know, like everybody who bowled more or less at village uh lanes, which is the lane that's closing, uh, they were about bowling. You know, they took it seriously. And because I was in that atmosphere, I learned so much more and got better at bowling so much faster uh, because I was surrounded by people who cared about bowling and yeah. wanted people, wanted new people to come and get good at bowling uh, because they love it. Yeah. Because bowling is fun as shit. Uh, I mean, here, you know, Fireside and- Bowl uh, down on Fullerton here in Logan Square, the the only reason it survived the the 90s and the early 2000s is because they were they were hosting fucking punk shows there, you know, right. AFI unwound, uh, June of 44, um, hum at the drive in at the drive. Yeah. I mean, all, all these bands you can find on, on YouTube, it, you can find all the shows yeah. in there and the fucking ceiling tiles were like falling on people in the middle of these sets. Cause the place was just falling apart and the stage is still there. It's very funny. I mean, I like we, we've bowled league there before, you know, and it's, and it's fun, and a lot of the shit doesn't work there. Um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's 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 great. And the only reason it survived was because the fucking communities found ways to to bring money there. But you know, it's like that's not always a 
viable option to start having yeah well that's the thing is (laughs) the lady who owned the place wasn't even willing to work with the community sure right you know what i mean like it it just wasn't even a factor to her like that 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 didn't even factor in the decision yeah which is just disappointing you know and i mean and it sucks because like i tried to look into ways of uh you know communal ownership and like running like a country club or whatever and it just it's just so much work and it sucks you know it's just it's just like i don't know you know i'm yeah. not a fucking lawyer like yeah. i'm not well, an and, accountant I don't, and locally <laughs> like, you know as as far as like local uh administrators go like they're they're always going to it the city council want to get a new construction and a new thing and build a new thing but there's really yeah, not ever i mean yeah. and other than you know like oh this is a historic building nobody really People look at historic buildings and then that even, you know, historic registry ends up preventing people from living their actual daily lives anyway. It's it's really yeah. it's an entire process that's bastardized from who the people are that live in an area and how they live and, and what makes community and brings people together. And then and then, you know, what are these same people who make these things happen, turn around and say, oh, the crime is up and, oh, you know, everybody's just hanging out at the liquor store and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well, if there's nothing to fucking do, and especially nothing that there is to do that's at least somewhat cheap, then people have to do other things and they stop having community and they stop having these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big thing I think about all the time is just like how pitiful it must be to be like 14 in the United States in 2023. Because, like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? I I don't know. Like, everything, Um, they only want you to be able to do anything that costs money. Yeah, you have to find your mom's credit card so you can get a Fortnite skin. They they, they fucking take the the nets off the basketball hoops, or they put, they lock rebar over the top of it. They fucking won't even let you go to the park after 6 o'clock or whatever. You can't go downtown. You You can't go downtown. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I just... I don't get how people think like the things are going to turn out when we just yeah. kind of like turned everything into a toll booth. Yeah. Like any service, like it's now we're like living in Milton Friedman's wet dream uh, of like, you have to fucking put a quarter in the swing set to make to fucking make the thing go. You know what I mean? Like I just, I have so much, so much empathy for kids growing up right now it just seems like it sucks it sucks ass like there's nothing nobody you have to drive anywhere to get to anything you have nothing is there's no free entertainment you don't have a fucking job what are you what are you supposed to do you know what i mean like you're 14 like i totally i have complete empathy for these kids i'm much older than that and i don't have a job yeah yeah exactly yeah, I, I have empathy. I, well, I don't have empathy for your situation, but hey, I got laid off, man. <laughs> hey, I got laid off. But yeah, you know, I just, I, it, it's just a bummer that like everything, it, everything has to like we can't even just have things just because I mean, they're nice. We're at an inflection point it's of absolute, like extraction. It's just there's and so many people. There's so nobody's many people are, like, having just a totally blast. fine with yeah. it. Like like they like they conceptualize things through that lens themselves and it's like they don't see a problem with it because it's like oh well that's that's it's like scientific fact that this is how the world is supposed to work you can't you can't just do things like no like that you know and that it just it it just drives it drives me insane like like i am actively being driven insane 
by this mentality that we have in the United States like that. And I mean, obviously other places, but it seems like other places, they, they at least acknowledge that they need to have to do a bare minimum of like providing a reason to live. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think the, the thing that sucks the most is it's like the, all of the stuff that has been transitioned to is, so it's like, it's not that there's like a carny who wants to create the world's best mini golf and go-kart place right like it's not even like the spirit of like what pigeon forge was which was just like this fucking carny trap where you get stuck in honey now it's all just like so it's such a corporate fucking thing like and that's and that's like my like i didn't grow up in like suburban chicago but like it fucks with my head to leave the city limits and get in the suburbs of chicago because like there are so many of those like they feel like proto gentrification places of these places that just exist to like take a part of your weekly expenditure like that's the fucking point of the place is to take a part of your weekly expenditure yeah, and it's, it's not, not like, like it's not to give you anything right yeah exactly. it, it's not exactly. it's not like hey we had an idea to make a bo- make a bowling alley that has a mini golf course next to it that's where i went as a kid all the time i went to mount holly bowl they had a big right, castle yeah, like and, too, and yeah. you know and all that stuff you know and arcade and all that and it was fun um and we went there to spend time but like, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it all comes with an app now, right? You download right, the yeah, app yeah. and you, and you have a, you give them your email and you get reward points. So you keep going and you give your loyalty. They don't even run Groupons anymore because <laughs> it, because it diminishes their brand to be associated with discount. They don't give a fuck if you get a discount. Fuck you. You're coming. Yeah. You're coming over. You're coming yeah, over no, that's here. That's a great point that, that a lot of this stuff that we get now that is provided to you does not feel like it's provided because like someone was excited to do this. I, I mean, want a fucking car. I think that there was, a, there was kind of a movement, uh, you know, in the past 10 years where people did try to come back to that. But even that's now gotten co-opted into like fake restaurants or fake packs throwing bars. No, no, saying. not even, like, not even that like, though. Like the, the, in like the Instagram selfie pop-ups where it would be like, here's yeah, a, here's a yes. derelict building in goose Island and now you can get in a big yellow slipper. If if you were online dating five years ago, every other picture you saw was a selfie in one of those ball pits, like the ball pit from the 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 the, the con, the comic con ball pit. Yeah, it, it's like that. But people are like, "Wow, I'm so glad I paid thirty dollars to take a selfie in this fucking ball pit." Like, what are? Yeah. What, I mean, God, we've been fucking. It, it's it's insane. It's there's no. Yeah, it, the the carnival isn't coming back. People don't swallow swords anymore. There's no gimmick. There's no the the I'm, I'm working into a shoot here because it, this is why I just try to take people to actual wrestling because I'm like at least yeah. at least they come out. It's true. They come out and and the guy who is a sports betting guy is like throwing money down and trying to bet on wrestlers in the middle of the match. The guy who's a superhero is pretending to be a superhero. At least fucking try to sell me what's happening, man. You go to ah, God, well, the man. guys, yeah, the guys and stuff like that, yeah, are definitely more like I want to provide a good product because I care about this. Like, and they're like, I'm not trying to say that that doesn't exist anymore, but it's definitely getting swallowed up. Yeah, and that's the point, like, of I think a lot of, like, just everything, and that's what's so depressing to like live here and live in this time is it's just like you are not allowed to just like enjoy thing or do things for like it's like they talk about all the time at defector it's like when they were at deadspin they were making enough money 
they were making as much money as they needed to make but that wasn't enough right you can't just do things you can't just do something for the sake of like making a living doing what you want to do like that's not enough for these people like you have to make you have to keep making more you have to you have to fire somebody because that's money we need to have like we need that yeah. money there's a point like, we, there's a point where the only the only way to keep the chart going up and to the right is by cutting every cost imaginable um and it doesn't matter if the quality is 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 tied to that at all and that that's that's the even like just the depressing part where we're at is it's like now a lot of the only things left to colonize because that's what it is it's coloniz it's colonization and it are these like last vestiges of like niche interests you know and it's and it sucks because a lot of this stuff has just existed beyond that. Like it's, you know, a lot of times it's like two or three small companies that comprise this industry or, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, but now it's like, Oh, well there, we see some possibilities for, for economic growth in these industries. And it's just perverse to treat some of this stuff like art or, you know, bowling or even you know like shit like that it's just perverse to treat it as an industry you know as opposed to like human expression and enjoyment yeah so yeah but but yeah you know i think that's a good place to put a pin in it it's just you know and that's why we we like doing these things because it does help us feel free of that um even though you're you're constantly swimming upstream against it uh <laughs> and uh yeah um but i uh i have to go bowl my bowling tournament so i'm gonna miss our conversation coming up uh but so yeah dag's gonna talk to charles while i go uh hopefully win a bowling tournament and uh it'll be my last time bowling well i guess i'm bowling one more time but it'll be my last time bowling uh in like a sanctioned event uh at, at my favorite spot so oh. rest in peace village lanes you were a very important part of my life for a year and uh i will miss you damn but uh we'll talk to you i'll talk to you guys later and then uh dag's gonna keep it going yeah all right well we'll uh be back with charles all right everybody um adam has disappeared in some sort of mysterious event um I don't know. You can read about it in the newspaper here on the on the eve, I guess, the the anniversary of the the Grateful Dead's famous uh, 5-8 Cornell show. Adam is gone, <laughs> but Charles is here. We've got Charles from E1 um, from um, what? Let's what are what are Plenty we of other doing? Junk, doing you know? a bunch of stuff, the bands, the the shows, uh yeah, I can't help myself. You can see him on. I used to be able to see you on the blue line. I don't know where you're at now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm still off the blue line. Like I'm in Avondale. Oh yeah, you can see him on the blue line, uh, waiting, yeah. <laughs> waiting at the stop for the for the tw every 25 minutes for a train. Uh, what's up, man? What's been going on? Oh, nothing. Uh, nothing remarkable. But I'm always doing something. I guess. Uh, well, you know, just to go back a second to before we started, you were saying that Adam's out with a case of double pink eye, and I was wondering, is that two eyes, or is that one eye that has two mm -hmm. things going on? Mm -hmm. Each each eye is severely puffy, 
um, in pink. He looks like, um, I don't know if can you see that? Um, <laughs> he's got this thing going on where he, he looks like he's, uh, been on the lamb for some time. Yeah, this um, kind of looks like a mugshot or something. Yeah, he's been riding across the desert in a sandstorm across the against the wind into the sand. Um, but he's he's struggling right now and hoping that he'll be feeling better uh, tomorrow. Um, but it is funny to to have your buddy be like, "Hey, man, I've got double pink eye." <laughs> All right, man. It's like, well, you know, he could have covered it up. People are only going to hear his voice, so he could have uh, done sort of like a Jordan flu game, you know. But yeah, ex- that's, I mean, honestly, you know, it's podcasting without your eyes is one of the hardest things you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's hopefully he'll be he'll be back. But I feel great, um, and I hope you do too. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad he's not here because I didn't want to catch pink eye from him. Or maybe yeah. double pink eye. Even. Yeah, if he turned his video on, we probably would have at least got single pink eye. I, I don't know how contagious that is, but but before we but the other thing we were talking about before we we hopped on was just that I mean you know obviously with things like you know uh, everybody's working and has things going on and then you're trying to be like hey let's do our stupid uh, projects where we get together and waste an hour or two. And try to have fun, but also try to, you know, get these things out in front of people. Like it's, it ends up being a lot of work, coordination, project management, all these things that aren't like a lot of fun. So what have you been getting into lately to, to bring the fun to yourself and to, to sort of have your enjoyment with all of these things where you're kind of creeping in into things that are very fun, you know, improvising and, and joking and and uh making fun of branson and you know how are you how are you finding joy outside of branson yeah it's, it's interesting for me because it's almost like the um there's like a spectrum from professional to hobby that can be very blurry of like almost everything i do is kind of hobby ish but some of it's also very professional because there's money involved and in you have to right. treat it professionally right so it's like I guess, like, yeah, ironically, I guess E1 is, like, my most professional thing just by virtue of the fact that it's where I make most of my money. <laughs> so to, to, like, develop, I don't know, you have to, like, develop this mindset where um, you're still having fun and it needs to be fun to do it so that it's, like, people can tell. If you're just, like, phoning it in, people can tell when they right. listen to it that you're right. not having fun, right? So, like, it needs to be fresh and fun, but also we have to be serious and, like, it doesn't matter if we don't feel like doing it. We just have to do it every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's, um, I do think that's something that, you know, it within hobby, I think that's something that you, you actually do need to have. I think, I think you do need to have, uh, you, you need to develop a muscle for doing it when it's not great to do. You kind of have to, I mean, and it, it, and you can determine what rate that is, but like, it's, you have to get up and uh, milk the cattle and, you know, let the chickens out and do that for the things that <laughs> bring you joy. Right. Yeah. Like, I whether agree. You're, it's whether like, you're making um, money on them or not, like you just have to keep totally. doing it. And especially when your friends are involved. I mean, I think, I guess that's the special layer of this form of bullshit, you know, like, why do we do this? What's the, what's the masculine urge to uh, record yourself talking to your friends over beers. And it's like, it's at the end of the day, you are hanging out with your friends. 
Yeah, totally. You're hanging out with your friends. It's a good time. So you should do that <laughs> and find ways yeah, to have that community. I think very similar to music in the sense of like, you could just practice at your practice space and never play any shows or anything. But at some point you're like, oh, we do this enough. We're good enough at it. We should play shows and get other people involved. But right. then there's just more and more, even though it's still a hobby, there's more and more responsibility around like, we got to practice every week, guys. Like we got to mm -hmm. be on top of it. And like, you were saying it about um, like tabletop gaming too. Even if you just have like a friendly D and D right. game, right. when everyone keeps canceling every week, it's like, come on, guys, you got to be like reliable <laughs> and consistent. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's why at this point, like I really, really, really enjoy doing uh, like one shot stuff because my buddy Jackson will just be like, "Hey, I've got three different games. I'd be open to DMing this weekend. Whoever's available, we need like two or three people," and it's. Perfect, because then it's just like, hell yeah, man, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's just, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be a backwards camera operator and we'll do this reality show in a haunted casino. That's great and easy and it's two hours and it's done. Um, very low inputs, very low investment. I love that. But then it's also like our D&D &D characters um, just got accused of killing, you know, the fairy queen. Uh, but that just got accused of that like nine months ago and we haven't wrapped it up. I'm like, well, what's <laughs> yeah. going on, man? <laughs> like I, I just, yeah, it's funny, I um, a shark like a bull and then we got, and then we stopped playing. Uh, for E1, we started doing more tabletop gaming and in the past we would always do the D and D campaigns in a single day where we just do hours and hours and just yeah. go through the whole thing. So we don't forget anything, but now we're doing like this call of Cthulhu campaign. That's going to be way longer. And so we have to do it in a bunch of sessions, you know? Right. And even just like taking notes to remember what happened last time and like writing it down and stuff, like especially because it's for E1, it's like we owe it to the listener to not forget everything that happened. Are, are you, so you consider like doing of, the um, like a, a DFW thing of just putting out footnotes on each episode? Yeah, just like an aggressive amount of yeah, footnotes. Yeah, each, each come back uh, retroactively and give each character a, a series of footnote backstories. Yeah, and the footnotes take longer to read than the episode <laughs> takes to listen yeah. to. Yes. Yeah. Do people still read Infinite Just on the um, on the train? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell with e-readers now. You can't tell when somebody's reading Infinite Just on the train. Yeah, that's exactly. That's something that's really changed in Chicago in the past 10 years. It gets harder. Um, you have a couple music projects. Um and um, just what do you, like, what's the different kind of expression that you feel from, you know, going through um you know like be, being in a band versus trying to do live you know shows with e1 yeah yeah i guess i think the more time goes on and the more that i realize like oh i'm in my 30s now i don't have time to waste the more that i kind of see even my like for fun hobbies as being something that needs to be taken at least a certain amount of seriously mm -hmm. of like it's not like like when it comes to music, I'm not really trying to like monetize it aggressively, but if I can make a little money off of it, that's better than making none kind of, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like there there ends up being some commitment to self-improvement over time of like, even if I'm not going to do it all the time, I still want to kind of be like noticeably improving at it so I feel For like sure. I'm accomplishing something, I guess. Like, I don't know, it's, I have like a very clinical approach to talking about like hobbies maybe, but... No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that's, you know, the whole thing here is that, you know, it is, it is an individual 
approach because it's it's how you choose to spend your own time. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's the you know, that's the beauty that that people have so many different ways to do that. And some hobbies are very much leisure and some are creative and, and, and creativity can mean so many different things, you know, like, um, you could use a hammer in a very creative way, you know, yeah, like it's not, you know, it's, it's not just sitting down and painting something that's creative. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting the the just like different dynamics of, you know, um, riffing versus kind of like laying out a, a musical structure and coming up with a concept of what does a what does a band sound like, um, you know, uh, and, and different kinds of approaches. Like there's a lot of different things that you can get into with that. And even yeah. like playing role play games, you know, is its own is its own thing of like figuring out how to interact with other people and do things like that. I think maybe one of the best things about podcasting and having to do it so relentlessly because we've sort of chosen to do that. Uh, I think it's kind of affected how I see everything else too, in a good way of it's good to just be prolific and not be precious about how good any individual thing is, you know, like you could obsess over a song for like five years and try to make it perfect. But I think there's virtue in, I mean, not being like lazy and just like tossing it aside, but just like always pushing yourself to move forward rather than just dwelling on everything. Yeah. Um, I think there's virtue in, I mean, even though it, like it kind of sucks with podcasting because you have to be so prolific that sometimes it's just like, oh, I wish we could just do a smaller quantity of <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but there, there's something to the mentality that it's good to just keep pushing yourself and keep going and not get hung up on any of your own insecurities about like, is this funny enough? Is this good enough? Like, whatever, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. The yeah, it's it's a weird place. Um to to have that level of of ego and i mean i think for like for me it was just like doing charity streams where it was just like it's one thing to just put a stream up or just put something out and just be like that was funny enough to me um but then when you're actually like trying to raise money and trying to do things that actually you care about you know beyond your own ego it's just like oh shit but then at, but then once you do it a couple times you're like oh like it we can just spin this up in a couple days we can just do these yeah things. totally it doesn't have to be the most perfect thing and the people that don't like it weren't going to like something I was going to do anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like that Simpsons joke. Uh, do you know that episode I'm thinking of, like, where it's like a band that's like Garfunkel and uh, like all these like second fiddle players, mm -hmm. and all the crowds is just booing them. And Lisa's like, "Why did they pay ticket pay to get tickets just to boo them?" You know, <laughs> it's such a like a an accurate thing yeah. of like, why would you think that people would show up because they hate you? Like, they're just not going to pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no one's. It's hard enough to get anybody to to give uh give an hour to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I mean it's um yeah, that yeah, that's fun. Um and how did like we talked before in like guitar chat about, you know, like venue booking and and all that and stuff and how that's how that's changed. Um how does sort of the um business side of being involved in in this kind of change how you've yeah I interacted mean, like, or just enjoyment of of doing these things definitely after the pandemic everything is worse in that regard for like everyone i guess i was surprised that it's worse even as a podcast where like our overhead is so low and what we need from the venues is so simple <laughs> um that you would think it would be like more harmonious than being like a touring band or something right. But still, like, venues post-pandemic are really just, like, nickel and diming you for a million different things. And so much more just 
contentious and like I don't. It's such a pain in the ass. But I guess I guess my thought on that is that it helps to just know people in the community who yeah. can then just be like, "Oh, I'll book you here, and I won't do this to you." You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. true of any creative community, broadly speaking. Is the more people you know and trust who are like good people, the easier it is to like spare yourself some of the indignities of dealing with exploitative venues or or whatever the problem is. You yeah, know? yeah, or even. <laughs> having you know even if you don't have people on the on the you know uh promoter side knowing from somebody with some experience like hey what's going what's going to happen when i try to do this thing what are people gonna yeah yeah what are people gonna expect of us your your uh your elders your four folk who have gone out there before you and figured out all these things the hard way yeah it's so helpful just to have people who like to do the same thing you like to do and can give you <laughs> hard-earned advice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that goes for anything. Like, I guess that goes for both, like, sort of a professional thing and a hobby thing, too. Of Like, no matter what your hobby is, if you want to sort of continue on a path of, like, self-improvement with it, then yeah. it's always good to have, if not, like, a mentor, then someone who kind of keeps you accountable of... Or so, This is something that comes up a lot with writing, where people, people ask Branson this more than me, but it's usually, like how do you um, like stick to writing and do it consistently and whatever. And to me, it's like having someone to hold you accountable either by like showing each other your work or by writing together at a set time each week or something. That kind of stuff is so useful to making you like productive. And when you have someone to be accountable to, you can't um, make excuses like, Oh, I'm not inspired today or whatever. Yeah. I think I've talked about this before, but like, I remember on like, uh, when we had our like college senior walk, there was like some guy who was like a, in the master's English program. And I don't know why, but he was like in my living, our living room of our like three story house at like 5 a.m. And like the conversation we got in, he was like ranting about how people want to be writers, but they don't want to write every day. They like only write when they're inspired. He was like losing his mind about this at like 5 a.m. on one of those <laughs> days where he'd been drinking since 8 a.m. the previous day. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I've i always believed him. I'm like, I agree. I think you're yeah, right. That's correct. <laughs> I agree with that. You know, so I mean, even if the person you're accountable to is, is yourself. And uh, yeah. I think we're going to try to start in the Discord where... Uh, trying to get together just like a, a just like a loose writing workshop to like get together maybe once or twice a month and just you know whatever people are working on just like yeah hey, give somebody five to ten minutes worth of stuff to read and then ask what you want to ask about it and then move on just to like yeah have, it goes a long way to help like not only does it hold you accountable to be like productive but it also creates a community to receive the stuff that you're creating right like it's like a virtuous cycle where if everyone's reading and writing each other's yep. stuff, then there's a lot more reason to keep doing it. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, varied stuff, I think very much helps, you know, doing different things, trying different ways to do things. I mean, I think that's how you understand and find, find different ways to make the plan work for you to find ways to, at least then, you know, it's like you find your path to like something is still feels exciting. Um, like you're, you're working the same sort of things out of yourself, but you can feel like you're doing a fresher approach. If you're got at least a couple different irons in the fire, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so to speak, you know, cause I, think- and I agree with that too. Of like, it's good to do a lot of projects like to me anyway, because I think it kind of like, uh, alleviates burnout where like, right. If I'm sick of thinking about music, then I can just go write something and vice versa, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, you can, you know, or you can cross channel and and get the uh and get the the Black Flanders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true like doing doing parody songs or not not really parody songs, but joke songs for E1 is a really fun outlet cuz like I would never make like a country song or something, right, but right. we've done a few fun country songs for E1 because it's supposed to be stupid and it's like let's do like a Florida Georgia Line song, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, it's an opportunity to break out of your normal stuff. But I think that's where you know, people get caught up all the time and I get it. I've, I've been there before too. It's like, how do you write, how do you write lyrics to a song? What do you do? And it's, I mean, it's the stupidest thing. I mean, you can just grab 12 things on your desk and you yeah. have 12 topics for a song. So you can write about all of your favorite candies. Like you can do whatever you want. And like, uh, or you can write about like you know Moby Dick. You can make an album about Moby Dick if you want to do the Mastodon thing. Like you can do yeah. all these things. It's just like you just steal something because it doesn't doesn't actually fucking matter. Like unless you're singing about something that's going to get you canceled, people mostly don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I think too, it's like um, well, something I think about a lot is just being honest with yourself about your own intentions of like. If you're just writing a song for the joy of it and to do it for yourself, then you could write about literally anything mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. no one's judging you, so why are you judging yourself? Although again, if if your goal is to become very very famous, then uh, it's going to narrow what you can <laughs> talk about to a very. Like, if you're trying to be Taylor Swift, then it has to just be the most boring shit on earth. You know? Yeah, well, but like, then you don't have to write it. There's some weird European guy that'll do it. Um, yeah, I think one of my one of my favorite songs trying to remember all the different songs this uh this guy that was a mechanic at the motorcycle shop my family ran uh he had a band called the chokes out of chillicothe illinois um and uh one of my favorite songs of theirs was 10 foot marlboro red and it was i want a 10 foot marlboro bed i'm gonna lay around and smoke that motherfucker in bed um, <laughs> and that that was the whole fucking song and it was the worst guitar ever but his his solo's actually ripped because he sucked so fucking bad. But was, there was that one. Uh, there was Meat Barge. There's another song uh, called Hot Dog. Uh, you know, you're the taco of Canada. Put some cheese on that motherfucker. Like, just the <laughs> stupidest shit. But, like, it was one of the most joyful albums I've ever heard because it was clearly just four guys with one brain cell. Yeah. Um, it's just very it, genuine. Like this, Yeah. Like, the, the drummer, like, would... He's a guy that would roll in like 90 minutes late to work. Uh, my grandpa would go to chew him out. They'd end up like hugging. And then like at lunch break, he would be telling me how to like uh, cook Sudafed down. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. This is really <laughs> sick. This is really going to help me. I'm 16. Yeah, really useful. <laughs> yeah, it's really useful information for a 16-year-old who smokes weed at the park. Um, but anyway. <laughs> but, that, but, but I do like that. I do like thinking back to that and being like, Okay, even this guy who drives around in a in a van and just is a motorcycle mechanic almost all the time has has a band that does really funny stuff and has these outlets and uh, and they're joking around and like they're going to keep waking up every day and having a good time. Yeah, that reminds me. um, Normally, I wouldn't recommend something like this because usually things like this are kind of like shallow and not worth it but um jeff tweedy's book how to write one song i think it's called yeah i i, uh, it's I, like I, a, I am it, a guilty of buying that as well <laughs> i think yeah i, I think to it's Nate fun like that once. 
Yeah, it's fun. Like, uh, most of his advice is good. It was kind of flattering to me because a bunch of it is stuff that I already do. So mm-hmm. it made me feel smart of like, oh, if Jeff Tweedy writes songs this yeah. way, it's good that I'm yeah. doing it too. You Have know? you thought about buying like a $70,000 uh, Gibson acoustic? If he'll lend me one, maybe. <laughs> but no, I, I did I did get that because that is, I mean, that's really the hurdle is, and, and that I think is, is very much something I want to get to because we're, we're trying to figure out how to turn this into like a website and get people's writing and, and blogging and talking about their experience of how you get into things. But like, it really is like, how do you, how do you, how do you make a quilt? Like, will you make one quilt and then you learn uh, the exponential learning through all the shit you did wrong. Yeah, exactly. Invaluable. And then you just continue learning there, which is why starting anything new is very exciting. And why I think that like, even if you're going to work through one medium, you should try it in as many ways as possible so that you can just continue you know finding limits and learning and and experimenting you don't have to be like i i studied experimental research design i studied how to like do that but like i am not scientific when i tie-dye i like really should sit down and like journal like okay i'm using these chemicals it's this temperature i did this preparation but i'm just like oh well fuck that didn't work I guess it's because I got too drunk. Like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll just try it again. But, like, it's not science to me. It's just making things. Um, yeah, and that's it's it's always, like, what do you want out of it? And being honest with yourself of what is my goal? Because music can be that way, where music can be extremely scientific and mathematical. Mm-hmm. Of you're like, oh, I'm going to do this song in 7-4, and I'm going to do, like, this Mixolydian thing. Or it can be, I just pick up the guitar. I don't even know what key I'm in or what I'm doing. And it's just what feels right. Yeah. Like, it's totally up to you as the person doing the thing, yeah. whether you want to analyze it or not. Um, but like what you were just saying about like quilts, you just make one and you make another one, et cetera. It's like, I guess that's what I was saying about like trying to be prolific and not being too precious about things. Right. Of right. The more you do it, the better you'll get. So it just, it sounds stupid, but quantity over quality is kind of true up to a point of like, once you develop enough um, skill and like taste at the thing you're doing, then maybe quality becomes more important. Well, I think but also I think, like, today you know like they're they're purging all of the inactive accounts so like all of oh the, no i know it's all of the, so like all of the old twitter accounts were like getting they would get a hundred faves on a tweet and you'd be like holy fuck this guy went yeah. fucking crazy <laughs> he went crazy um all those accounts are gone and like you look back at those and you're like oh my god everything they posted because they would post like one or two riffs a week and you're like fuck those accounts were so good that's over man that's fucking over yeah Everybody went political and now they went back. It's it's done. The day of low volume posting is is over. Yeah, absolutely. It's over. Just fucking do some shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah, especially with posting, no one cares when you have a bad post because they'll just forget it instantly. Posting is the most expendable thing you can do. You know? <laughs> they'll just mute you. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You. It's whatever. It doesn't matter. They're not ride or die, man. Um you got to get the groaners where yeah it's although knowing uh elon musk it's like he might just reverse this tomorrow like he often does yeah it really doesn't matter he comes up with the worst he comes up with the worst ideas that anyone could ever possibly think <laughs> of and then 24 hours later is just like has to kind of like pretend like he's not walking it back it is, i mean is, I, you know? there is a level where i actually like respect that more than what most like product leaders do which is they just like decide something and then just continue against headwind where he just like throws out a complete wind like wind sock and just like well 
All right. Oh, yeah. Not. Like I'll do a poll. Well, I guess yeah, the not. Problem, the problem is just that the quality of his ideas is so bad. It's really, it's just it's really always not very good. Bad. It's really not. It's good. extraordinary how dumb. Like, I always knew he was like dumber than his proponents believe, but he's way stupider than I ever could have believed a year ago. Even like it's he's pretty... extraordinarily dumb, petty, thin-skinned, selfish, egotistical, bad person. Yeah, and and uh, doesn't understand anything about website metrics social media or otherwise like i i worked in like uh i worked in pricing and in part of that like i had to like take the website impressions that a deal would get and figure out like if we are like showing it to too many people right like is this yeah, thing yeah. doing is there, are we basically bringing you into the store and the end cap is just like you know little knitted caps that blow when you snow when you snore um and nobody wants those anymore um and like the way that he looks at it isn't the way that any of it matters like it's he's like he's obsessed with like how many times they render it on people's page not even if they view the thing or not and it's just yeah it's not even how any of this shit works man it's because it genuinely (laughs) it's a popularity contest for him as an individual and that's all he cares about is his own post getting seen you know like if he was serious really he would sell sell metrics to losers so they could see that nobody's liking their posts yeah (laughs) But anyway, it's yeah. It's like he's obsessed with Twitter because the one thing he wants is to be funny and affable, but it's the one thing he can never have because he's just not funny. So it's truly like the thing he's going to obsess over more than any of his other companies because he just wants to be someone he can't be. God, he he like uh yeah, it's sad. He wants to do he wants to read Laffy Taffy jokes at like the like Second City. Like Yeah. <laughs> He wants to like get up on stage and like everybody's like, okay, give me uh give me a scenario. And then he's like, uh 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 who who let that yeah uh let that sink in. And they're like, What? <laughs> we're at a baseball. There were times in the past baseball game where, scenario. Like I I you know, in the past before he owned Twitter would look at his likes tab. And there were times when he seriously had just liked like 20 family guy screenshots in a row. <laughs> like that's just who he well, is at his yeah. core. You know? I mean, I can't be mad about that. And I can't be mad about all the people that have been muting me while I've been rewatching uh Larry Sanders show. So just know that oh, I'm I not know- reposting every Larry Sanders screenshot. I, I, uh, I could. And, and man, that's probably getting toward the top of my list of shows. I ne- I know that I need to watch that. I haven't. Oh my People God. recommend it so often, and oh I never have. God. It's oh man, um, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to hear me wax on that. But <laughs> dear God, the I just got through the episode where Hank Jeffrey Tambor finally gets divorced, and like Artie basically like goes and like takes him takes him a gun in his hotel room, and is just like, all right, bud, <laughs> like this is going to be the easiest <laughs> way. And then like it's it he goes comes back to Larry and obviously it worked. Um and uh he like shows it to Larry and Larry's like, Oh my god, the divorce gun? <laughs> like it's like <laughs> like it's his producer tool that he uses on all his on all his diva talents. Uh but yeah, <laughs> just like I don't know, just shit like that is we we need these writers, man. We need these writers. Absolutely. These actors can't come up with this shit. I wanna be uh optimistic that the strike will yield something uh, positive you know yeah it's yeah it's it's hard i mean and and then i think this is like i mean obviously people are like you know like well you know people do creative stuff all the time and they do it for free like why do people need to like earn livings for that or blah 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 but it's just like well like you know as much as you guys can tour and and do shows and sell out 
sell out venues um, and people can download things and, and listen to things like none of these shows exist without those those writers and those people that are creative. And those are people that are like working it as a as a craft. You know, I know like when um, Alana, I, I don't remember what her handle is now. It used to be a, like lanyard twerk, like when she was doing like riff tracks, I know like they would have to get like you'd have to come up with so many jokes for every like 15 seconds of some B movie. Like you need a dozen chokes for every minute yeah, totally. of, of thing. And so it's like, you're watching a B movie. It, well, not the, you know, not the documentary B movie, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, but you're, <laughs> you're watching a, you know, a B whore. And I mean, it, you're, it's, it's work, it's labor, it's, it's time. And it ultimately comes down to just who reaps the rewards, obviously of like, it doesn't even matter if a show is good or bad. If it's yeah. making money, then the writers themselves should be getting much more of it than yeah. the executives who don't do anything. You yeah, know? Like, well, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and even no matter what it is, I mean, there's. I really do appreciate even the sense that, like, you know, I see some of the stuff that like other people are watching. I don't like it, but it's like it's obviously uh, put together in a way that a lot of people do enjoy it and do want to watch it. And uh, you know, ChatGPT can't do that. And you know, I know everyone still yeah. enjoys making the images. It's funny sometimes, but. You know, it's just I do think that, you know, there are people that can draw those things, man. You have to hit the, the deviant art people up. You have to let them draw you um, Shrek uh, as a cat boy. Like, let them let them do that for five dollars. Like they are they're really less expensive than you think they are. And they turn things around quick. Yeah, I think, too, that, that gets back to what I was saying about, like, community in general of, like, um, like for E1, we have our friend Titus do a lot of the artwork just because he's reliable and we like him and he's creative yeah. and he's funny. And we're never going to stop giving him work because we trust him and we like for what sure. he does. For sure. Um, it's about, like, those kind of personal connections, too, that yeah. kind of go beyond just an image in the abstract. Yeah, you well, know? And, that's, and that, too, is where, you know, if <laughs> if you do happen to, to make any amount of movie like, or movie, <laughs> any money, um if you accidentally can happen into that, then you can like route it back into your community, into, into things that you, you know, that you know and that you love and, and keep that, keep that going. I mean, that's the exciting yeah, thing yeah. to me is like, if we get a website, it's like, then we get to like work with our design friends and we get to, you know, uh, have my friends come over who know how to code. And like, now they're involved in a creative project where otherwise they're, you know, spinning up, spinning up code for some company and doing all those things. And so it's like people, people get excited even to do their job, but for some other purpose. Um, yeah. I, I'm always surprised. Like I love doing that. I love pulling people into projects that other people wouldn't expect them to do. And I feel like I've really learned over the years that almost everyone is more like multifaceted than their for sure. uh, outward personality would seem of like people who make very grim and serious music also like to do like a stupid comedy <laughs> podcast too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone always appreciates those opportunities more than I would have ever expected them to. Yeah. And it's just fun to kind of creatively cross pollinate, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I was very moved by how the people in Canada, like when I went to Winnipeg, the, like a couple months ago, like everybody there was like ready to like shoot the shit and banter and go back and forth. And it was like, it was awesome. It was just like, man, these people are ready to shoot the shit and banter. But like so many people are, <laughs> there's just like, there, there's just like a, a little learning curve when you like put people on something to uh, going away from 
how you would talk at a, and you know sitting around a table to like oh okay somebody else has to listen to this who wasn't here we have to give them context and we have to like fill dead space and lead each other into questions and like make this feel like something that's engaging and interesting and listenable but it's again it's like it's just you do one or two and then you realize how to what the little tricks are and how to uh, keep things going and how to lead a conversation away from something or towards something else and 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 try to make it interesting. Um, yeah, everything is always a work in progress, whether as a hobby or professionally or whatever. You know, something interesting to me, like during the pandemic, I really started watching a lot more just like full live shows of bands that I like when there yeah. were no shows to go to, you know? And I think it's fun. I, I don't know why this is the band that's coming to my mind, but uh, this is just one example. But something like uh, a band like Interpol, where everyone knows their first album was their best <laughs> album. If you watch them live, they were actually a better live band six, seven years after oh. that. Because um, they're just tighter and they've done it more. Right. Maybe they're not writing the best songs, but they're actually better musicians. <laughs> like, you know, like even if they're, even if like their creative output didn't get better, they mm-hmm. actually did improve at, at doing the thing they do because they do it all the time. You know, yeah. you know? like. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I don't know I how valuable that observation is, but well, no, I think I think it's interesting because I think there are, when you, especially in that context of music, you know, it's like there's there's stuff where people are like, we don't know how we're going to play this live. We tracked this in a really crazy way, and like we're not going to be able to reproduce that or things like that. But also like, um, everybody you know like wants to be a gear essentialist. Like you have to play this guitar into this amp for this thing. Yeah, and then you go, and then you go see like you know say failure as a band and they're just like playing yeah. through modeling amps and they just have like sun cabinets just for looks and just as pas for people in the front row so they can hear the guitar like they're not using any they're using modeling shit and it's all set in and they just it's they turn on the computers and it's all there <laughs> like it's yeah it's like you know everybody has has condensed their their stuff down and has everything set up in such a way like it's everybody matures and and it's you know it's it's interesting it's a very cool uh it's wild to see like how those the gear reviews have changed away from being like i've got 30 different analog things running something to like i just goes into this thing (laughs) yeah like even even getting outside of like newer modeling technology though the truth is that that's always been true of someone who's a really interesting musician who just has one rat and a tuning pedal (laughs) is still going to be way more interesting than someone with 30 pedals you know what i mean like to see a band with one rat Yeah, that's, that's it though. Like, or actually, what that band? Um, uh, this band Cola that formed out of the band Ott. I don't know if you know. It's like a mm. post-punk band. Okay. Um, but their basically their thing now is playing with no pedals and no overdubs. It's oh. just a three-piece. They just yeah. plug right in and just play. Yeah. And like, you can do that if you're good. You know, like it, it's. <laughs> Basically, there's just no, nothing is a rule. You can do whatever you want. You could have like a Tame Impala amount of pedals for sure. or you can have none and it just sure. doesn't matter. And it's so easy to get fixated on personally of just being like, oh, I need this pedal. I need this thing. And the one, truth is you don't really need it. One single reverse pedal and I feel like Kevin Shields. I don't need any more than one reverse yeah. <laughs> pedal and a little reverb. And I'm like, that's fucked up. I played that and it's backwards now. That's crazy as shit. Yeah, and Kevin Shields' thing was always <laughs> that you don't need that many pedals. Even though now, obviously, he has a shitload when he plays live, but... The whole Loveless thing was really like not using reverb, even except for the reverse reverb. Um, just use like he would use like three pedals, maybe. It's just using them really specific ways, you know. Yeah, and and you know, or, or yeah, the fix the fixedness. I think when lack of a piece of equipment is like what's keeping you from doing something, then it's like that's that's not what's keeping you from doing it. 
you know that's, yeah exactly. that's the th- that's just like fear in your head of failing or different things but then that comes back again to what you're saying of just like you just have to do things like if what you can do is like write yourself a series of punk songs that are 60 seconds long or less about your dog about yeah the totally. weather that day just like write a bunch of shit for a week and record it and maybe you can piece some of them together maybe they're different parts but you just do it it doesn't really you know get your watercolors out paint paint the tree if it doesn't look like your tree go out and paint it in a week and if you don't like that anymore go paint something different maybe you suck at trees maybe you can paint water i don't know like yeah <laughs> just like don't don't get don't get stuck in these things they're all um i think that there's an aha moment that comes from not necessarily bashing your head into the like to the wall but like you have to kind of feel around the wall it's like you're in like a dark space and you kind of have to feel for where like the door frame is like you get when you get up to pee in the middle of the night and it's dark and you're like where the fuck is the end of the bed you're feeling for it but once you realize (laughs) it, you're like i know where everything is in this room and that's kind of i think what like dabbling in these things is is trying to find the way to get yourself a bearing and figure out where everything is and where you can work out of uh and you're gonna stub your toe but you have to like hop on one foot yeah absolutely especially in the earliest days of doing something i feel like you get those moments a lot more of like when you learn just to play like a scale and you realize that you can do it and you're like oh that's like a great feeling where oh this thing i couldn't do last week now i can do it you know yeah getting to be becoming a blues man when you learn the pentatonic scale is the great joy of of (laughs) exactly once you once you know how to how to slay uh how to lay down and then from there you got to just get a blues driver and a, a twin and uh I don't know. Then you got to decide what type of guy you need a guitar of. And uh, and you're a guy. You're a type of guy. Yeah. And you could uh, get a $70,000 acoustic guitar to be yeah, like man. Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, man. <laughs> you can get your son over and get a band with your son. Start him playing around. Uh, do all sorts of shit. But that is a good book. I have enjoyed and got some snippets from that. If you are looking for something for inspiration uh, on writing and thinking about that, um what do you got going on the rest of this week it's a good question just constantly recording podcasts so there's plenty of that yeah yeah glad to. i've been in a good spot um uh in terms of music i feel like I've, I've really honed in on writing stuff that's very riffy and fun lately where like i sort of like uh now that i i moved recently and i have more space mm. i can just keep all of my instruments out all the time yeah. Yeah, that's and that's such a game changer in terms of like just being like sketching something out in Pro Tools and being able to just pick up a bass, unplug it, plug in the guitar, just keep unplugging right. things and just you don't have to do it. Like the act of taking something out of a case yeah. is a good reason to not do it at all. Yeah. You know, it's a huge hurdle. And just the, having it right there is huge. This is something we when I I did like exercise motivation research in grad school and something is like, you know, like, how do you go to the gym every day? It's like you have your you have your exercise clothes with you when you go to work and you don't go home yeah. Uh, cause you go home and you turn the TV on or play games or you don't want to change. Like you have to remove the little levels that will block you. You have to remove your obstacles to just getting started. Yeah. That's exactly right. Of like, I, I used to be living in a huge building that had like a hundred units in it. So it had like yeah. a gym in the building. So it was easy to go there. And now that we moved, 
I just bought a stationary cycle because I'm like, I know I'm not going to a gym in the winter. I'm just never going to go. But since I have this stationary cycle now, I use it every single day because it's just right in front of me. Yeah, we may or may not live half a block from one, but I'm not going to it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, seriously. I I wouldn't. In like February, I I would not go. I just got a pull-up bar. I'm just going to do that. That's my thing. Yeah, that's the way to go. Do that, and then I got to get the bike tuned up. But um, any shows coming up? Um, nothing right now, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood to get that going again, both for music and for E1, yeah, but yeah, get it, get a see how it comes so I can walk over there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, um, I think that'll be it for us. I think there's less there's anything cool. else you want to dig into. No, always, uh, fun to chat. Yeah, man. Uh, what, what do you think you'll paint the walls other colors? I think in this room, we're just going to keep the one accent wall. Yep. Is it a lavender or is it like mauve? Yeah, I think I think I would call it lavender. I'd have to ask my wife what the shade is specifically. <laughs> is she a designer or just um no, she just has a better eye for that stuff okay. than me. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people are like designers and they like could like guess the hex of something and I'm just like, holy shit. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> like the Japanese paint match guy on, on Instagram that Brooks sends me. Oh nice. <laughs> That is a cool skill to have. I mean, it's actually impressive. Real, it is actually really sick. I've never had luck. That's another thing too, like with having a hobby of just getting good at something like that is just it's just like when you can tell what key something is in or something like mm-hmm. musically there's so many different ways to develop that type of skill too. Yeah. Including just listening to bullshit. Yeah. Enjoy it. Well, thank you for coming. Hopefully Adam um will be down to like one and a half uh maybe one and a half pink eye or something yeah tomorrow and uh and hopefully the you know they don't catch him i know he's on the run on the lamb but thank you uh always a pleasure to chat um we'll see you soon yeah see you out there see you around